0: We are in a sermon series right now entitled On Mission, On Mission. Two weeks ago we started this and I introduced our church's mission as this, helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're about at Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, that's not a made-up slogan. That's given to us by Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 28. He said, I'm going to leave the church on earth. I'm going to go back up into heaven, and you have one major, major job, and it's this, help all people find and follow Jesus. But the only way that that will go from wall art to a reality in our church on a consistent basis is if we have a tangible, intentional plan to get it done. And so that's what I'm talking to our church about for the next five or six Sundays. And, and that's what those growth steps on these side walls are all about. We started last week with growth step number one. If you're going to find and follow Jesus, you have to believe in Jesus. See, here's what a lot of folks do. They, they try to put a band-aid on their life and do everything but, but place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And it just doesn't work. Okay, you, you can't go and, and, and commit through church membership and connect through connection groups and grow through coming to more church and serve and all of that and hope that that will take you to heaven because going to heaven, it's not about what you do, it's about who you know. Amen. Thankfully, three came to know Jesus Christ personally last Sunday morning. Amen. That was amazing. And so if you've believed that is just the beginning of your spiritual walk, that is the on-ramp. To flourishing and growing spiritually. And the second step is described by the word commit. Commit. When I say the word commit in 2021, people get real nervous. Because we live in a non-committal society, don't we? In fact, in 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 a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I read that the average American changes jobs every four and a half years And up to 15 times in their adult life. It's especially true. This non-committal type spirit is true in the area of relationships and marriage. There are a lot of boyfriends that just won't put a ring on it. They want the benefits without the commitment. It's true in how we spend our money. I mean, a lot of people when faced with the idea of getting a membership somewhere or signing a contract for something or getting an online subscription that that could maybe save them some money by paying for, for a year up front or six months up front or two years up front. They won't do that because they're afraid of commitment. So they'll pay more money by the month to avoid being stuck in something. Unfortunately, the fear of commitment has leaked into the church world as well. In our country, and you have a handout today that you can follow along with. It's going to be kind of a teachy message. That's why I gave it to you. Seventy seven and a half percent of U.S. citizens identify themselves as Christians. However, 80 percent of churches have plateaued or are declining. I'm glad we're not among that 80. hundred ninety five million Americans are unchurched. That's that's 62 percent. Seventy percent of Americans have no meaningful church relationship. Now look at the first statistic and the very last statistic. 75.5% of U.S. citizens claim to be Christians but only 70% of them have meaningful church relationships. Or, 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 or have no meaningful church relationship. 30% of people. That's a troubling statistic to me. If you're a Bible believer that ought to be a troubling statistic to you as well. And that's what I hope to address today in the the most biblical way I can, the kindest way that I can. In fact, if I come across teachy today, it's on purpose because really what I want to do is reason with you. I want to reason with you over some questions. And we're going to watch a video here in just a second of a testimony. But here are the two questions that I want to reason together about. Number one, why should you become a church member? Like, why? Why is that a big deal? Is that something that the Baptist church made up? Or is that in the Bible? And then number two, why does some hesitate to join a church? I want to speak to that. And here's what I want you to know up front. And I'll say this over and over. I'm not apologizing for my message, but I want you to know my heart up front. So I'm not misunderstood this morning. You are welcome to attend Fellowship Baptist Church every service we have and not be a member. That's my heart. That's our pastoral staff's heart. You are no less of a Christian in God's eyes, so to speak. There's a place in heaven for you, not because of your church membership, but because you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that up front. I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe in church membership enough to put it on our wall and to preach an entire message about it. And I want you to know why. That's what I want you to know why. So you open up your heart. As I try to speak these truths into you, and then hopefully God will help us make the good decisions going forward. Watch this video. It's kind of a testimony someone that struggled with this decision, made this decision. It was the best thing they could have done.
1: in my mind, well, I need to be perfect. I need to have my life cleaned up. As Pastor Tyler's talked many times, you know, people think they need to have everything cleaned up and then go to church, and it's just the opposite. Well, I first came in 2008, and then like I said, I think I, I was attending regularly for about a year or so, or, or two, and then I fell away from, from going to church. Like I said, I just was single, I was like, I'm going to live my single life, and just I got a job, and I got a job as a CNA. I worked a, the late shift, and so it was so, I was like, oh, it's too hard to get up in the morning. I need my sleep. And I just got away from church and everything, and then let circumstances keep me away, and and then Jonathan and I met and him being raised Catholic, I was like, well, he's not gonna wanna go to church with me. But he did and we went a few times and then we had Amelia and we were all so overwhelmed with all the responsibilities and we're like, we just can't do this. We tried going to church a couple times and she just cried and I didn't know what to do and so we just didn't go. And when she turned a year old, I was like, Jonathan, we need to go to church. I was like, I was raised in church and it's important, we need to go and and so we started going and just attended Sunday mornings. And then when we had uh, our son Eli, that's I was like I put my foot down. I was like we have to become more regularly going to church and and so he agreed and I think that's kind of where things That was like a turning point in our attendance here and everything we started attending the connection group and and decided okay we need to do the sunday evenings we need to be here for wednesday evenings and that made a big difference life is so much easier being a part of a community and having people that they're going to have your back you know they have your back and so i'm i'm so thankful that jonathan and i finally made that commitment because it's made just a big difference in our lives, and our family, and everything. That would actually be the time that I finally felt like the Holy Spirit working on me to go tell Pastor Tyler, hey, I wanna get baptized, I wanna become a member. That's what happened. Now, one Sunday morning, I just was sitting there, I was like, I'm just ready for this to be over, so I can go talk to him. And later that week, I shared with him my testimony, and, uh, and then we went through the first steps together, and I didn't think Jonathan was gonna go through that with me, but he did, and I'm so thankful he did because God was just working through all of that and to see Jonathan get saved during that time and uh, now that's that we're both members, it's such a good feeling knowing that you've got people that have your back and that you get to serve with others. You get to form deeper friendships. Life's is so much easier when when you're when you're here, when you're in church, when when you hear Pastor Tyler preaching and or any of the other staff members, God's at work here and we need him. It's such a tough world right now, and 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 we need we need God.
0: That's good, isn't it? Here's, here's why we play that video. I want you to know that church membership and the commitment to it. Number one, it isn't a decision that should be made overnight. But number two, a lot of people struggle with step number two. A lot of people that have made that step did not make it easy. It took a long time to process. But I can remember when when Jonathan and Anna came to my office that day and, and Anna gave me her testimony of salvation. So sure about it. But Jonathan said, I'm not saved, but I'm not ready to be saved. I love that kind of honesty, by the way, because it's a personal decision. And then we gave Jonathan some time, took him through first steps. And then he texted me, said, I'm ready. Came to my office several weeks later, called upon Christ to be his personal Savior. They both got baptized and now are thriving members of the fellowship family. Amen. I love that. Why should you become a church member? Several reasons. Number one, because church membership is biblical. Now, some, some have told me before. I don't see membership anywhere in the Bible. And in in one regard, they they would be right. I mean, do a quick word search of, of, of the word membership in the Bible, and you're likely to get a message that says no results found. But even though the Bible doesn't explicitly use a term, doesn't mean that it doesn't imply and apply specific principles. For instance, you won't find the term Trinity in the Bible. You know what that is? Father, Son... Holy Spirit. But the Bible says we better believe in all three in order to get saved. And they're all three one. The Bible never really uses the term rapture. That's the term we use today to describe Jesus coming back in the twinkling of an eye. 1 Thessalonians 4 describes the rapture as being caught away. And so it's there implied and applied in Scripture. And the same is true Of of church membership, I want to show you that in Scripture, all the verses should be on the screen today. It's implied in several ways. Number one, church gatherings. That'll be on your handout today. Church gatherings. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Throughout the New Testament, these letters were written, like the book of Corinthians, the book of Philippians, uh, 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 the book of Revelation. And if you'll notice, every one of those letters are addressed to gatherings of local churches. The book of Corinthians is written to the church of Corinth. The book of Philippians written to the church of Philippi. The, the, the book of Revelation is written to seven different unique local churches. In fact, if you study the New Testament uh, usage of the word church, 90 out of 114 references in the New Testament of the word church are referring to gatherings of local churches like what we're doing today. And in fact, the congregation on the receiving end of the letters were made up of individual believers with names that many of them were mentioned in Scripture. Aquila, Priscilla, and a whole bunch of names like 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 in these individual churches, which means this churches in the New Testament. They gathered with real people who had real names, who were recognized as real members of a real church. It's an implication. It's very clear. It's also important to understand that the Bible calls these local gatherings of believers in particular places churches, not parts of the church. Each local gathering is a local church and the Bible expects followers of Christ to identify with and belong to a local church. Further, it's implied in church discipline. I don't like to talk about this at all, by the way, but this is in Scripture. In Matthew 18, Jesus taught uh, his first church how to confront another believer's sin. And he, he says you got to go to the individual first. Then you got to take two or three other believers with you if they don't respond to you. And if they don't respond to that, you got to bring them before the church. And he said the very, very last resort is you got to excommunicate them. Now, if you're wondering what that's all about, we're going to speak a whole message on church discipline soon. I'll talk to you about that. That's the last resort. That's not what a church should be known for. But, but, but church discipline is real. Look at the scripture. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it them the church. The church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Question, if, if church membership isn't a thing, To whom are these, what is the church he's talking about? Like, how are we, are are we accountable to every single, if if the church is just one big group of believers and not a local assembly, are, are we supposed to work out our sin and our disagreements? Like, can anybody just come up to me and call me on that? Am I accountable to every single Christian on the planet? Can any pastor from any church anywhere in the world come and discipline me and excommunicate me from my church? Yes or no? No. And what church are we being cast out of? Like, like, it's very clearly implied in Scripture that if we are to go through church discipline, then there has to be a church through which to go through that. Does that make sense? Okay, then it's implied in church leadership. Church leadership. I'm talking about pastoral leadership. Now look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Obey them, it says, that have the rule over you and submit yourselves... For they, and it's talking about in the context of pastoral leadership, they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so here's what the church is telling church members to do. Submit to church leaders, given that those leaders are given the job by God to oversee your soul and will one day give an account to God for your soul. This commands, uh, or this command right here assumes that, that one is part of a local church with a local pastor. Okay, pastors will not give an account for Christians that live a thousand miles away. We have planted two churches, uh, more than that, but, but recently two churches in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, and, and, and Oro Valley or Tucson, Arizona. That, that they have local church pastors that watch for their souls. I don't watch for their souls. And they don't watch for your souls. They are, they are responsible... To submit to their pastor. And their pastor is responsible to watch over their soul. And same with me and with you. Does that make sense? And so we got church uh, leadership. Then there's one. And this is very, very obvious in scripture. And that's church metaphors. Church metaphors. There, there are different metaphors given in the New Testament for the church. And, and, and there are, they all seem to imply that that these churches uh, contain specific Members in them. In fact, the first metaphor I'll talk about is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in several different places, and Paul gives the church as a metaphor of the body. Look at at this. For as the body is one, talking about the physical body, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ, for the body is not one member, but many. He goes on. But now are they many members, yet but one body? Now ye, he's talking to the church at Corinth. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So so watch this. Each person is a body part within a church. An arm, a leg, a hand, a foot, a thumb, a toe. A body part detached from the rest of the body is not a beautiful thing. Ask first responders. It's gruesome. But that's what it looks like for a Christian to refuse to become a member of a local church. They're like an arm flopping around by themselves on the ground. Arms don't last long when they're detached from a body. And a Christian will struggle unless attached to a body of believers. So to be what God designed you to be, you need to figure out which body you're going to be attached to. And then formally and visibly join that body by becoming a member of it. Attaching yourself to it. There's another metaphor called a flock, as in like a flock of sheep. And the pastor is the under-shepherd. And then Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of the church. Look in 1 Peter 5. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. 1 Peter is is, is writing to a pastor, an under-shepherd, saying, Feed the flock of God. That's the sheep. That's the members of the church that that are among you. Listen, rogue sheep, if you just study the, the shepherd's life, in the sheep's life, rogue sheep are easy prey. Sheep, listen, belong in the safety of a flock. And, and so, do, so do believers. Membership helps keep, keep all of us gathered with the other sheep under the protection of the shepherd. Besides, what kind of under-shepherd our pastor doesn't know which particular sheep the owner has entrusted to him? Membership helps us keep track of which sheep we're responsible to graze and gather and guide and guard spiritually. Then it's implied in the metaphor of a family. In Ephesians 2.19 it says this, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. I love that. We're all brothers or sisters in Christ. If you've ever wondered, why do I call him Brother Mike or, or Brother Sid or Brother Doug or... Brother Tanner or you're like, what is all this brother talk about? We're brothers. This is familial language. We belong in the same family of God. But even more specifically, he's writing to the believers in Ephesus of a specific church and said, you guys are a church family. That's why we call ourselves the fellowship family. And what kind of parent would would you be if you didn't know which of the children on the block you were responsible to feed? Or or, or which ones should be in your house at bedtime? I discipline Kevin, but I don't discipline the kids down the street. Sometimes I feel like it. (laughs) Hey, it's unsafe to be a kid without parents and a home. Membership helps church leaders know who belongs to the household. It helps family members know where to go when they need rest. They need nourishment. They need spiritual protection. They go to their church family. Several more ways that that I believe I could back up church membership with, with, with Scripture, but that's where it's clearly implied, and I think that's sufficient. Here's the second reason for why you should become a church member, because God led you to join a specific church. Now, listen closely. Fellowship Baptist Church is unique in several ways to any other church in our community. Not better, but we're unique. But I also will say this. We aren't the only gospel preaching church in our town. Like we all need to acknowledge that there are good churches in this town other than Fellowship Baptist Church, which implies this to be the truth. It could very well be God's will for somebody in our town to be a member of another gospel preaching church than other than ours. If they're not a gospel preaching church, it's not God's will for you to be a member of it. But there are gospel preaching churches here. You don't join a church simply because you like it. Or because your kids like it. That's called consumerism. You join a church because God has led you to join a specific church and you're convinced of his leading. Where's that at in the Bible? First Corinthians 12. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased who? Him. It makes it clear. God leads you to join a specific church. That's when you ought to do it. Now, I know that the leadership of God is a vague kind of churchy term. And so you might be thinking, how do I know if God's led me? Like, what are the tangibles to that? Well, there's four ways I've written down. It's on your handout. They'll be on the screen. When the church in question has doctrine that lines up with the Bible and doctrine you can agree with. That's the the number one thing because a church is a church in unity based on what they believe. Okay, That doesn't mean you have to cross every T and dot, every I the same exact way. But on the core theological doctrines, you need to be on the same page. That's why we have a first steps class and we take you through the core doctrines that we hold to at Fellowship Baptist Church. The second one is when the church in question can spiritually benefit your entire family. And I put on there, not to be confused with, does this have my favorite church programs? Because I know we have a cool children's ministry. We have great nursery ministries and our music ministry is on fire. and Everything's great. and We got a good building and all these things. That's not why you (laughs) join a church. Because it it checks off every box for you, but it does need to be able to to meet the needs of your family. Here's another one. When you can commit yourself to being an active role in the church. Remember, church membership is not for our benefit. Okay, We join a church so that we can benefit others, serve others, minister to others. And then this one, when you are willing to meet the requirements of joining that church. We run into a hang-up here every once in a while. So let me speak to it. When I have somebody, we do have requirements and standards for church membership, and you can learn those in first steps class. And when somebody struggles with the requirements maybe that that we have for church membership, here's what I ask them. First of all, do you believe God led you to this church? And most of them say, yes, I do. That's why I'm taking first steps. That's why I'm meeting with you today. Okay, then I ask them this question. Do you believe in the doctrine of this church? Well, as best as I can understand, I do. Well, can you and your family grow at this church? Absolutely. That's why we keep coming back. Can you see yourself getting plugged in and serving in this church? Oh, man, I'd love to do that. Then I ask him this Don't you think that God knew what standards and requirements this church had for membership when He led you here? So don't let a standard for membership keep you from joining if the church meets all the criteria that confirm God led you here in the first place. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is a very, very real hang up, but that, that, that is the last On the list, because there are more important things to knowing if God has led you here. And let me say it again FBC welcomes anybody and everybody with open arms to attend our churches. You process uh, this decision to join our church or not, but for your spiritual health, I'm not afraid to tell you that you need to find a church that you can commit to being involved in as far as membership goes and as a part of their covenant community. So I would tell you this that, that if you don't join Fellowship Baptist Church, that's absolutely fine. I'll shake your hand in the community. I'll, when COVID's over, I'll give you a hug. But, but find a church that meets the criteria above and join it. Join it. I'm not pressuring. I've already told you I don't work off commission. If I did, I'd get a pretty good paycheck today. But not on Labor Day. It'd go down big time. So I don't work off commission. I don't want to work off commission. It's not about putting people in the chairs. It's bigger than that. It's about making people followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the third reason why you need to join church. Because the church provides accountability in two ways. Accountability by way of the church leadership. 1 Peter 5, 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you. taking the oversight thereof. Hebrews 13. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they, your pastor, watch for your soul. Now how do pastors do this? How do they feed the flock? How do they oversee and watch and care for your soul? By way of Acts 6, 4. They said, but we, talking about pastors, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Pastors hold their people accountable to holy living and they spur them on to spiritual growth. They they care for their souls through Bible preaching and through intercessory prayer. And I'm telling you, those are two things I take very, very, very seriously. If I don't do anything else right, I better get those two things right. And so I spend a lot of time in intercessory prayer for you. And I spend a lot of time preparing messages that I think will help you. But then there's accountability from other church members, Hebrews 10. And let us consider one another to provoke. That means to stir up, to poke a little bit unto love and to good works. Now, here's the principle. We do better in any area of life when we have accountability, don't we? This is common even in the secular world. People who, who, who want to make maybe investments financially, they're going to hire a financial adv- advisor. People who are very, very serious about their health and fitness might, might hire a CrossFit instructor or a personal trainer of, si- uh, of some sort or get, get connected to some tribe that can keep them accountable. The church serves a similar function. We're like spiritual personal trainers. We can't make you grow spiritually, but we can show you the way. We can hold you accountable. We can cheer you on. We can be there for you when you're going through a difficulty. Sometimes that spiritual coaching or accountability is going to come from the pastor or from a pastoral staff member, from a deacon or a connection group leader or someone in your connection group or someone, another parent that, that, that you drop your kid off the same time at the nursery or something like that. But when you get together with other church members, you get the benefit of provoking one another to love better and and more good works, but it doesn't stop with just accountability. I want to dig a little deeper into that element, and this is the next reason why you should become a church member, because membership connects you to a covenant community. This is more important than just like having a group of friends in the community that you can go to. The word covenant is very, very, very important. It's what sets off relationships in the church from normal relationships in life. Within a covenant community inside of a church, there's love. The Bible, Jesus commanded the first church disciples, he said, I want you to love one another. Why? Because he said when when, when people look in on the church and they see love for one another, unconditional acceptance of one another, then here's what they, they conclude. They must love Jesus. They must follow Jesus. They must be disciples of Jesus. Now this is only true of a healthy church and Fellowship Baptist Church. I don't know if we've ever got it perfectly right. Where we love unconditionally and we we love consistently. And there is a a, a culture of acceptance everywhere and in every corner of our building. I want it to be that way. We're working for it to be that way. Uh, And by the way, that doesn't mean a tolerance of sin in any shape or form. But it means that we love the sinner. Right where they're at. That's what you get in a church, in a covenant community that's, that's healthy. You also get grace. That speaks of a church. In Galatians chapter 6, the church is commanded, you restore such an one when you fall. In the secular world, if you fall and the guy behind you wants to get on the, on the rung of the ladder ahead of you, you know what he's doing? He's kicking dirt on your face and he's climbing the ladder. That's what happens a lot of time in the secular world. That ought to never happen in the church world. The church world should be known for grace, where when my brother or sister fails, they fall, they stumble. We ought to be the first one there with the hand of grace saying, come on, brother. Let me pick you up, sister. I'll cry with you. I'll pray with you. I'll sing with you. I'll serve with you. I'll walk with you. I got your back. And then in the covet community, there's help. There's help in all kinds of different ways, but I'm speaking more in, in in the term of intercessory prayer. I love what we did in our connection group. The connection group that I lead this morning. We, we, we took a good 10 minutes to go over prayer request. And I have a, a, about a 5x7 a sheet of paper with, with lines where we can write them in. And every single one of those lines was full. So, so we spent some time praying for one another. I had one of the men in our class then take that list and pray out loud for the prayer requests that we wrote down. That is covenanting together in prayer. That's not getting together to play dominoes, though that's great. That's not just getting together to break bread and and to eat and have fun, though. That's necessary in church life. But church life puts you into something deeper than just a friendship. It puts you into a covenant community that is spiritual in nature. And and I don't know if there's anything that can compare to that outside of the church. I could go on, but, but, but the covenant community is just a powerful resource. Here's the last thing, last reason why you should become a church member. Because church, member, church membership facilitates ministry involvement. Everybody's given a gift from God. And in that context, you just got to study the New Testament in context. You are supposed to use that gift first and foremost for the edification of the body of Christ. And I love that we use our talents out in our community. I love that we use our talents at work. I love we use our talents at home. But we are commanded to use our talents inside of the church. The Bible is clear that every member of the body has been given gifts by God to use for that particular body. And I, I, you can interview our church members who are very active in making a difference. And I think every one of them will tell you there's just something special about making a difference for the kingdom of God. Something gratifying about making a difference for the kingdom of God. There, there's just something special about that. There really is. So that's a pretty thorough case for why you should become a church member. I could add another one in there because of the way we administer the Lord's Supper that we do it for our church members and it allows you to take place in Lord's Supper. But I'm going to save that because in a couple months before our Lord's Supper, which is the Tuesday night before Easter Sunday, I'm going to preach a message on Lord's Supper. What that ordinance means, why we do it the way we do it. But here are the reasons why you should become a church member. It's biblical. God has led you to join. It provides accountability for your spiritual growth. It places you within a covenant community and it facilitates the opportunity for you to be involved in ministry. But here's what I found to be true. Even after hearing those things, there are still some very real hesitations. Valid hesitations. And if we're not careful, those hesitations actually turn into hang-ups. And they lead to procrastination when, it, when, when we're talking about obedience to God in this area of committing through membership. So why? Why? I'm going to speak to this as honest as I can. Here's why some people hesitate to join a church. And please know my heart today. Some people are scared by the idea of commitment. I think that's the truth. I I talked about this at the beginning of the message. Let me dig into it for a second. So let me reason with you. When I was 18 years old, I laid eyes on Jenny Lee for the first time, right? You've heard this story. So if you haven't, this is for those who haven't heard this story. And then for those who have this, heard the this story, the purpose is so you can understand how blessed Jenny Lee is to be married to me. <laughs> I pursued her almost immediately when I saw her for the first time. And, you know, I grew up in a really sh- strict home in some ways. And I just couldn't be open about my high school dating relationships. My dad didn't have time for that. He didn't want me dating. And so I had to slide those under the table. And so... <laughs> When, when, it, when it came time for me to be in, you know, in college and be my own man and be an adult, man, I was like, she, I'm like flying out of the nest. I can date whoever I want and be open about it. And so I see this girl, she must be good. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go after it. And so I did. And, and then I found out she's a year older than me. She's a little more mature than me. And, and she's kind of been through the old dating game herself. She wasn't interested in the dating game, really. Um, and so she, she started talking like serious commitment. And the more she talked about it, the more I just kind of said, oh. Um, and I would back away. And, and then, I, and then I, would, I would come back because I was attracted to her. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to try this again. And then she would take it easy. And then she'd start talking about commitment. And I would just back away. And then we did three or four times we did that. And then a, a, a goober on, on campus caught her eye. And, and he was interested in commitment. And I said, all right, it's over. i got to get serious about commitment. So I went and was serious about commitment, which proved she came instantly back to me. So it proves I never left her mind in the first place. And... <laughs> I've told this story 14 times now, and every time it gets a little better, doesn't it? <laughs> it gets a little better. A little more false every time. Um, here's what I want to do. I, I just wanted to date Jenny. She wanted commitment. Now, here's what's happening. A lot of people want to date the church. And, and primarily, it's because they don't want to commit to the church. Now, let me speak to you very frankly and, and, and kindly One of the main reasons why folks hesitate to join Fellowship Baptist Church is because there is an obvious culture of commitment here. It's been built for many, many years by the previous two pastors that that the Bible does expect church members to contribute and serve and be faithful. And and, and when people realize that about our church, and and it's, it's not like a legalistic way where we got like sticker charts to keep track of your church attendance or something weird like that, but... It's just the most of the people are here and they're faithful and they're really bought in and all in. But that scares some people, honestly. And, and here's why usually when, in my conversations with people, it's because their lives aren't centered around the church. They come to church on Sunday morning when other activities don't interfere, but the church has just never been the center of their lives. Maybe they weren't raised that way. Didn't come from a church culture of that, that, that taught and preached church commitment. Um, so, so in essence, what they built a habit of not working their schedules around church, they work church around their schedules. They, they don't miss extracurricular activities for church. They miss church for extracurricular activities. Now, I, I'm not throwing down fire. I'm saying this is the reality. And so, so, so whenever we go through first steps and, and they say, oh man, people, people are pretty faithful here. They're like, I don't know if I fit in there because frankly, I just haven't had that lifestyle for so long. And, and I love church and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to go when I can. But to, to make it the center of my family's life, that's going to be like a, a, a big time turnaround for, for my family. And, and, and really, if we want to boil down, a lot of people are hesitant to commit because they're not ready to repent of misplaced priorities. Or commit to a life centered on the institution that Christ died for. I don't know about you, but when I die and I enter and turn and I stand before my God... I want to be found having been most committed to that which matters most to God. I'm involved in a lot of things. I got a lot of irons in the fire. Boards in our town, nonprofit boards in our town, organizations in our town. Boy, I cheer on our local sports. I love all that stuff, man. I love it. My son plays ball a lot. I coach a lot. I love that. My dad's always been the same way. A lot of you are. It's great. Um, But Christ didn't die for any of those things. Those aren't called His bride. The church is called His bride. And most of the time when you call someone your bride, that's the person that means the most to you in all the world. And the church means more to Jesus than anything else in this world, so it ought to mean more to me than anything else in this world. I'm not saying that what you do outside of church is not important. You can make an eternal difference. You can buy in. You can, I'm telling you, there are people in our church, there are people I'm looking at right now, you, you are presidents of boards, and, and, and you are coaches, and you officiate Kids in sports, and you serve at Baker Arts Center, or you do something for, for something in town that's just amazing. I don't stop doing that. Some of you serve in those things, and man, you're making a great difference, and God is using you. Just don't do those things to the exclusion of making church the priority. Commitment's scary. People just keep dating the church because of it. Here's the second thing some people have the wrong mindset about church in general. I'm hastening to a close. There's three wrong mindsets, in my opinion. There's an individualistic mindset, there's a consumeristic mindset, and then there's the incomplete mindset. The individualistic mindset says this. We are self-reliant, we're self-made, we're self-sufficient. We are in the land of independence, right? So interdependence upon one another is not appealing. If someone is self-sufficient in and of themselves, then mutual dependence on fellow believers is not appealing. The concept of mutual submission to fellow believers and and church leadership is not appealing. The concept of mutual accountability is not appealing. They don't need others to thrive. They they just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Then there's a consumeristic mindset where, where, where people think of church like a baseball. I go to be served, not to serve. Church is like a ball game. I go to spectate and I go to be entertained, not participate. Church is like a car lot. I'm gonna shop for the best package deal. Best preaching, best music, best children's program. Until I find it, I'm gonna keep shopping. And when someone has a consumer's mindset where church is all about receiving the idea of contributing and serving and enlisting and sacrificing, it's not appealing to them. Then there's an incomplete mindset about the church. And here's where a lot of they just got their doctrine wrong about the church in general. They view church as a club or as an organization. I mean, it's a good place to go and sing. It's a good place to send my kids. It's a good place to give to when we can. It's a good place to go on Easter and on Christmas. And, and I, I don't dislike the church. People in the church are great. It's awesome. But but I'm I'm already part of this club and this board and this organization. It's what I'm a little more hesitant. I'm a little more passionate about. Well, here's why that's an incomplete mindset. Church is not an organization. It's, not a, it's the bride of Christ. It's the means by which Christ wants to change the world. If you could start seeing the church like God sees his church, it would lead you to a different conclusion about your involvement in church. It really would. It really, really would. And this is a huge case of hesitation. Let me speak to one more hesitation. Some people are skeptical of the church. Now, now here's why. They've been hurt in previous church experiences, and that's valid. Isn't it, Dad? People really get hurt. And because they've been hurt before, they're actually hesitant to link up with the church again. It's much safer to just attend than just to join. And you've seen this happen in in relationships. Like like a woman gets married, the guy betrays her, and then she hates men for the rest of her life. The the woman betrays the man, and, and, and the man just hates women the rest of his life. And that's what people do with the church. Maybe some have seen church scandals whether that's sexual immorality and sexual abuse or financial corruption. And they're skeptical of all churches because what they know about some churches. M- maybe some. And I've heard this. They're just, they've seen one too many church hy- hypocrites. And, and they work with so-called church members that are no different than them. And they, 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 they have family members that are so-called church members that are no different with them. And they just aren't drawn to become part of something that just makes no difference. Seems hypocritical. Now let me help you with that. You'll never find a perfect church. If you do, don't join it or else you'll mess it up. There's hypocrites in every church. I am a hypocrite and I'm standing behind the pulpit today. I've been a hypocrite. What I want our church to be is a place where its members recognize that we're all broken people trying to minister to broken people. We're all a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody that can change anybody. Skepticism is a huge hang up. If you're skeptical of the church, let me encourage you to exercise faith. And obedience in the areas that you are doubting. And that's the conclusion. So let me go off scripture just a little bit and close the message with this. That I, I think in my mind this morning I separated the congregation into three groups. You want to know which group you're in, Brother Bryce? Listen closely. By the way, don't mess with me. You got to go through him. He don't sit on the front row because he likes it called Security 101. (laughs) Some of you heard this sermon and you know it's, it's, it's literally the last thing you needed to make that commitment. You're ready to go. You just needed to be spurred a little bit. What are you supposed to do if that's you? Well, grab the connect card in the seat back in front of you. Pull that out and check on there. I want to take first steps. I'm interested in joining the church. Put that connect card this morning into the offering plate. Now, now that, that isn't necessarily committing you right away. But when you go through First Steps class, you are paired with an individual that's been a seasoned member of our church for quite some time. And they'll be able to walk you through about three or four weeks in a row, just one on so, one. Some really good explanations of our church, what we believe, what we hold to, that kind of thing. And a lot of times it will help just be clear about what we're about. And you're like, OK, I, 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 can, I can get on board with that. And you will. And some will say, no, nah, it's just not for me. And they won't. But, but if you know beyond shadow of a doubt, hey, this is where God has loved me. I just need to I need to take that first steps class. You fill that out on your connect card or talk to me in the foyer today. But there are still others in here that are unsure. That's the second group. Meaning this, I don't expect one message to answer all your questions. Or, 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 or to deal with all your doubts or skepticisms or hang ups about the church. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a connect card out of seat back in front of you, and I want you to put on there first steps. Why? It's, 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 it, it is the single thing that you can do to become most clear about Fellowship Baptist Church. If you aren't comfortable doing that, just say, I'm interested in church membership. Leave your phone number so I can call you. We can set up a time. I don't, I don't, I don't twist arms anything like that. But I would love for me or one of our pastoral staff members to sit down with you and really begin to discuss with you Why church membership is important and answer any question you have, any question you have. Here's the last thing I want you to do is walking out saying, just like any other church, they just want our money. They just want us on the church roll. They just want our rear end in the seat. They just want a big church. That's not my heart at all. I want you to understand what we're about, man. I, I, I don't want to twist or force any anybody to join our church. I just believe that there were church members in the Bible and that you ought, to, you ought to at least be interested in taking that step. So don't walk out mad at me if you aren't willing to at least meet with me. Is that fair? Amen. Okay. Amen. If I see you talking about me on Facebook. <laughs> and then there are some in here who have been to First Steps class. You've been to our church for a, a long time. And you still haven't joined the church. And so you understand what you need to understand you just haven't made that, that step. Let me talk to you. Number one, you are always welcome here. I hope you heard me. Always welcome here. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. You can sing with us and worship with us and all of that. So long as you get $25 a week, you can cut and escape. Give <laughs> 50. But um, <laughs> listen, at some point, at some point, I, I, I believe this that you've got to stop procrastinating. And at some point, you've got to take a step of commitment. It's going to take faith. And it's going to take obedience. And by, some of you are going to have to just humble yourself to get it done. And, and, and humility is a great thing. Humility is often the springboard that launches us into a lot of blessings that God has for us. Some of you just need to take that step. And I would love to reason that with you and talk with you about it. And I, I want to be approachable in that. So anything, if you want to meet this week, I'll meet with you. In the evening time, over lunch, on a Saturday, I'd love to meet with you, just talk with you more about it. Let's stand to our feet, every head bowed.